The first signs of baseball season in Atlanta are here. We worked really hard to get in that position, and we expect to win now. That's a good thing. Welcome to the Braves Report, the new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscano, and we're just returning from a full day of Braves Fest on Saturday, and everybody can start to feel it now, just a few weeks away from Florida. Oh, yeah. the I always say the first day of spring training is like the first day of school. So this was kind of like orientation because we hadn't seen everybody since the winter meetings, since the GM meetings. And in full, like I hadn't seen you in months. We hadn't seen a lot of those players in months. So this was like a good little orientation um, and baseball is imminent. Get to meet your teachers, get to meet your, meet your classmates, get your book assignments, get your hall assignments. And then first day of class begins February 13th. Do you, uh, did you get your school supplies yet? Oh, yes. Yeah, I got my backpack. I got my trapper keeper. I got my pencil holder. Uh, and I got my hat so uh, we can keep the sun out of our eyes down there in Florida. And uh, coming up, we'll dig into what uh, the players and Brian Snitker had to say at Braves Fest. We'll look at how the battles at shortstop, left field, fifth spot in the rotation is shaping up. We've also got an update on the health of Ron Lacuna and Ozzie Albies and Mike Soroka. Plus, we'll answer your questions in the Ask Justin segment. If this is your first time listening to the show, follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. All right, first off, uh, you know, we apologize. We've been off uh, a little bit, but the Braves report had to go into an off-season break. And uh, how you been? Where you been? Yeah, so I've no, I've been I've been well. Uh, hope the same for you. So I was on the West Coast a little bit. I was in San Diego. I was in Salt Lake City. I was in San Diego a lot, so I went there to visit my parents for Thanksgiving, and then I went back. I spent six days in Atlanta, and then I went back for the winter meetings, which also were in San Diego this year. Um, and then I came back to Atlanta for like eight or nine days, and then I went back to San Diego for Christmas, and then I went to Salt Lake City to visit my girlfriend. And then I've been back in Atlanta for Jay. It's been it's been seventeen days. This marks seventeen days. And I think this is the longest I've ever been in Atlanta in one stretch <laughs> since I've moved here. So this is, it's been nice. It's been nice. I just get to see stuff. I get to go on hikes. I get to kind of get around town a little bit. But uh, how about you? You hanging in there? Good to be Be- back. That's the difference between you and me. You go to multiple states. I just go to like three counties. And that's it. <laughs> shout Saw out a lot Gwinnett of Fulton County. County. Shout out Gwinnett County. Uh, slipped into Cobb and DeKalb. And that's been, that's been about it. We, 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 we've kind of kept it on the home front here uh, during the break. But uh, this is your first uh, Braves Fest ever. And the first time the Braves have had a Braves Fest since uh, 2020. Fans getting to hang out with the stars and close interactions. And also a first for Vaughn Grissom. Yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, this is my first time, so I had no idea what to expect. And it's been it's been a blast. I haven't been to other teams' uh, Winterfest, but it seems like the Braves do a very good job of this one. Everybody seems like they enjoy themselves. Yeah, um, I'd only in terms of teams I'd cover, I'd only been to the Mets one, and I thought this was in terms of what the Braves give you for free. You had to pay for the autograph sessions. You had to pay for like anything you got at their yard sale in the chop house, but 
they give you a ton of stuff for free. You know, if you're a fan who's just coming, parking's free. I mean, they sell stuff there, but other than the food or the drinks that you would get, everything's free. You know, you get to take pictures. Players are reading to kids. Uh, a couple players are playing MLB The Show for people on the big screen. There's a Michael, there's a Michael lot Harris there. Bowling a three hundred, maybe. Yeah, I I don't know. I we won't let him off the hook that that easy. He said his best score was I think a two sixty. So we're not gonna we we parade him enough on this podcast. We'll we'll hold him to getting that first three hundred game. But no, I mean I thought it was I thought it was a really cool event. Granted, you and I were in the press conference room, and you actually we'll save this for the show. You were elsewhere uh, getting some other audio as well, but. Um, they rolled all the guys in and out, um, all the players, and Brian Snicker. It was really easy to get a lot of stuff yesterday, which will be really beneficial for this show, for our stories now and in the future. But I thought it was awesome. In terms of what you got for a free event, I think that's really important. I think it's really cool that the Braves, who obviously know that fans pay a ton of money to go to games. It just costs so much to take a family of three, a family of four, to a ball game on a Saturday night these days. Um, so to give them something for free... You could have gotten a lot out of that experience yesterday if you were a fan for free without paying any money, and I think that's really cool in today's day and age. And uh, you had a free chance to audition to be the next PA announcer of the Braves, which one particular fireballer tried his hand. And now, the starting lineup for your Atlanta Braves, led by the manager number 43, Brian Snicker. Not too bad. That... I got home and got out of my car when I saw the Braves tweet something, and it was that video. That was incredible. Like, that was, he was really, really good. Um, and if he didn't throw 98.2 miles per hour on average over a season and have a contract, you know, for $75 million over six years, he might just get the job. But the Braves are going to have him in another role this season. Yep, and uh, time to go ahead and get to that. Not only is uh, Spencer Strider going to be in another role, but he's going to be in another uniform. Number 99. So the full, the full story is my number's always been 28 growing up, and then when I went to Clemson, uh, 28 was worn by the probably the best college baseball player of all time, Seth Beer. So couldn't do 28 and uh, did 29, which, you know, John Smoltz had some good relevance, and then, of course, can't do 29 here. And then Olsen shows up, takes 28. So road was 65 and, you know, got the contract and thought, hey, I'm going to change my number, something cool. So... 99 was always my number in MLB The Show when I played. So, you know, I, 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 I mean, some people don't think numbers mean anything. I, I don't really think they do, but, I, you know, picking your jersey number in baseball to me has always been something of importance. And, um, you know, my favorite movie is Major League. I like Rick Vaughn. And so, uh, you know, I, I see some similarities in Wild Thing and myself. All right. It takes a lot of guts to pull off 99 on a baseball field, especially when you're not really even six foot tall. Um, can, can Spencer Strider pull off 99? Oh, 100%. I thought that 65, for as good for baseball, I thought his 65 looked pretty crisp. I think Strider's just, you know, I mean, he's already quadzilla. He's got yep. the setup. He fires off the mound. He's very, like, poised, very composed. But he just, like, he just attacks. He just lets it fly, lets it rip. I think he's going to pull it off. Um, and let's just, let's just take and a minute to give an ode to major league that's also one of my favorite <laughs> movies if not my favorite movie um, uh, is, is anybody listening to this podcast that doesn't like major league i yeah yeah we want all the listeners we can get but we would be a little bit concerned for you um but 
let's let's just say that a lot of those jokes uh, from Harry Doyle and Co. in that movie. <laughs> Probably you couldn't. Let's just say you couldn't release that in 2023. So I'm glad we got a little major league love in this show. Now here's here's our Braves report trivia question for today. No Brave has ever worn 99. Bill Voiceel wore 96 with the Boston Braves from 1947 to 1949. What is the highest number ever worn by an Atlanta Brave, and who did it? God, um, shoot, it's got to be. I'm trying to think. It's got to be 75, 78? It is 78. Okay. Do you know who wore 78? You were there. I was I was there. Was this last year? It was last year. Oh. Oh. Um. Was it? Let me see. I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to think of any. Was it Chadwick Tromp? It was William Woods. Oh, William Woods. I I think the only time I've seen a number in the 70s was when I when I covered Mazika with the Mets. I think he was like 74 or something like that, but William Woods, man. I like William Woods too. He's a cool guy, got a great story. Um and he made his way into the podcast, which is awesome. Bryce had a couple of, of uh, 70s. Uh Kenley Jansen, 74. Oh, yeah, that man, Kenley. Oh my gosh, that it goes to show how much you, you think you glean, you know, how much information you have in your head over the course of 162 games that a simple uniform number doesn't register to you, especially for a legendary closer like Kenley Jansen, a guy who's been elite. Who knows? But I, th- I think the biggest thing I took away from the, the 15 interviews we heard on Saturday was the, the business-like confidence that despite not necessarily winning the offseason, so to speak, uh, this Braves team knows it's really good. We've worked really hard to – make that you know to get that bar up there and and um you know because i get asked about you know repeating the division the whole thing and do the guys feel it and it's like no i mean they've they've worked hard to to for those you know that's what we wanted there were no expectations when i first got here i mean it was i said earlier on it's kind of you come to the ballpark and you hope that you could win and then there was a time when i remember i came to the ballpark and you expected to win that's Brian Snitker. Here's Strider on the rotation. Everybody has the ability to go out and, you know, pitch seven, eight scoreless and, and always give us a chance to win. I think that can be the, the strength of the team. Um, we're, we're pretty well stacked everywhere. Yeah, this team is really stacked everywhere. Yeah, um, I hate to be the guy who walks into a group of, you know, angry or pessimistic fans and says sometimes – the best moves are the ones you don't make. But I just think, look, like, you look at this core and what they have. Now, Jay, from a position player standpoint, the Braves, you, we, you could say seven out of their nine positions are filled with great players or stars in yep. Major League Baseball. That usually gives you one of the best teams in baseball. Now, you need the rotation. They have that or appear to if everybody performs to expectation. You need the bullpen. I think the bullpen looks as good, if if not a little better, um, than it was last year. And, I mean, I just think that they deserve to have that confidence. They are stacked everywhere. If you factor in, now these could be, you know, big, you just, there's nothing you can absolutely count on. You try to project things, and that's what the front office will do. But there's nothing you can count on you just have to make your your best predictions your best projections but a healthy ronald acuna jr 
would be huge. I don't think we, or maybe we did talk about it so much early in the season that we kind of beat a dead horse, but let's bring up the fact that this lineup didn't has, have Ozzy Albies last yep. year for pretty much most of the year. Um, so that's two guys. If you had them back and they're back to form, those are pretty big punches. Um, now you've got Sean Murphy, who's a better catcher than any of the Braves had last year. Um, Which they had two All-Stars. Exactly. And, and I think, look, this rotation. Now you've got Strider with what he did last year. Now you've got Kyle Wright with what he did last year. Max Fried is one of the best in the game nowadays. Um, Charlie Morton. There's nothing you can really point to in Charlie's season where you can say, okay, well, that's why he's declining. Or No, like, if he goes out and pitches the way he did with the pitches kind of clocking like they did analytically and um, with the spin direction, things like that, he probably, the numbers probably indicate that he has a better year this year. And so, I mean, I just think, and you look at the bullpen, I love what they did with Joe Jimenez with the need to get another power righty back there. You could look at Rysel Iglesias and easily say, well, they could be better set up than they were with Kenley. Now, Kenley had a good year. You know, he had his struggles, which closer doesn't. But I just, I do like the addition of Nick Anderson. I think that could be big. He's a guy who had a lot of excess, success with the Rays. Jesse Chavez is back. They've still got Colin McHugh. They've got A.J. Minter. Now Luke Jackson's gone. Tyler Matzik won't be pitching. But I like the bullpen as a whole. Um, I... We, I guess we'll talk about him on this podcast. You look at left field. You look at shortstop. Sure, those are question marks because they haven't been figured out. But if you're doing seven out of nine on the position player side of things, you're pretty good. And I think this team has very few holes in fans, as they should. You know, they want the most for their team. They want the best situation. Like, that's your right. But I also think when you look at it from an objective perspective, the Braves are pretty well set up. They didn't need to make moves like the Mets or Phillies. So let's let's look at the shortstop position, and yeah, we got we got a little bit of insight on Saturday as to where things stand. And Vaughn Grissom seems like he's really ready for the competition. The only thing I can do for you guys is just play my game. And if you guys like it, I'm sure I'll hear about it. If you guys don't, I'm sure I'll hear about it. So like to me, it doesn't matter either way because I'm just gonna go play my game, and I'm not trying to go fill nobody's shoes or do anything different, I'm just going to go play Von Grissom's ball. To me, that was kind of like the most noteworthy 15 seconds I heard from all the press conferences on Saturday, that uh, he seems confident he can handle it and that the audition's not going to be too big for him. Yeah, and with Ron Washington's vote of confidence, why would it be too big for him, or why would he you know, think he couldn't handle it? I think Von Grissom is always a guy who's you know, been a guy who's had confidence. Um Coming up out of high school, he was on the same team as Riley Green. All those scouts were there to see Riley Green, uh, who's with the Tigers now. And not necessarily Vaughn, you know, in terms of the high-level scouts or at the top of the draft. The Braves had faith in him. They take him. They really believe in his bat. The defense is a question. Like, depending on who you ask, I'm sure you'd probably get a different answer in the organization. Like, who knows what's going to happen? But Ron Washington believes in him. Alex Anthopoulos has said as much publicly multiple times um, throughout the offseason. And Alex usually isn't a guy who's going to say that without backing. And he got that question from the fans. He did a, he did a 40-minute uh, Q&A session with Braves fans at Braves Fest on Saturday. And the topic of his defense came up. I can see how the scouting community might have questions about Vaughn. I had questions about Vaughn when I first saw him. And I've been wrong plenty of times. 
The difference is we have a guy in Ron Washington who's unbelievable with this stuff. And he wouldn't just say something to say. And that doesn't mean he's always right. He's going to get it right. And look, we don't know how Vaughn's going to hit. And he's got to earn the job. Orlando Arcia can do it too. But Wash really believes in Vaughn. We believe in Vaughn too, but we're going to go with who we think the expert in that area is. And I don't know anybody better in the game than, than Ron. So people have their opinion. That's what ma makes it fun. And I can totally see how scouts would feel that way. But even Vaughn, from when he first got here to now, he's gotten so much better. And he's 22 years old, going to be 22 years old. And you can't bet against the person and the makeup. And guys keep getting better. And defense does get better. And I'll remind everybody in this room, Dansby, when I first got here, we had some things internally in 2017. The numbers defensively were not great. I had major concerns coming in as a GM. My biggest thing was we have to fix the defense, fix the defense. Our outfield defense wasn't good. Our infield defense wasn't good. I asked Bob, Bobby Cox and I asked Wash, should we go get, uh, at the time, Freddie Galvis was on the Phillies. He was a good defender. Should we go get Freddie Galvis, option Dansby, let him go down to the minor leagues and work on his defense and get better? because he had his struggles, he's a young player. They were adamant, no, stick with him, he's gonna get it, it's gonna be a process, it's gonna take time. And I, I believe that the experiences he had eventually led him to be a gold glover. Whether, and that can happen whether it's a Vaughn Grissom, a Riley, and so on. Sometimes they need the reps up here to do it. Alex is either working really hard to pump up Vaughn publicly, or they really feel fine about this. Yeah, I think, look, like if you were to ask him, buying closed doors, I mean, yeah, why wouldn't they have their reservations, just like the Dansby situation he laid out? But And he admitted later in that answer that, yeah, we're probably going to be worse at shortstop this year. But, you know, it's not just for this year. Yeah, and you look at, exactly, and you look at Dansby Swanson's season, a five-war, you know, five-war, six-war season, whatever, you know, from last year, are the Braves realistically going to replace that? Like, no, you're not going to get that from your shortstop every year unless you have a Trey Turner or a Fernando Tatis Jr. Or, like, you're just not going to realistically – it's unrealistic to expect that. Heck, Dansby might not even match that this year. But that doesn't mean Von Grissom starting at shortstop is a bad thing. I think – look, like, I think they do have confidence in him because I think eventually you go with the upside to a degree, right? Like, Vaughn, they believe in his bat – He's improving defensively by all accounts and by everything they've said. He is, this is not a one-year project. He's not a one-year stopgap before a top prospect, you know, top shortstop prospect comes up. No, like he could be the guy for years to come. And I think you let him get some run with it because it does a lot for his confidence. Now he's still going to need to win the job. And he, Vaughn said that himself, like he doesn't feel like he's earned anything. He's still going to need to beat out Orlando Arcia. But I think the Braves' best laid plans are that Vaughn Grissom takes this thing and, and runs with it just because I think you let the upside play a little bit here. Um, instead of signing, you know, a veteran, you'd have Elvis Andrus on the market right now and Jose Iglesias. But I just think if they think Vaughn Grissom's even remotely ready to handle it, you let him have some run there and you let him grow into it because it's it's a process. Like, very few people are the – Fernando Tatis Jr.'s of the world and even defensively like we've seen he's not the best um, so you could have reservations about any shortstop defensively other than five six seven eight of them in baseball um, I think Vaughn Grissom yeah he's young yeah the Braves when they scouted him and drafted and thought he might have to eventually move off shortstop that doesn't mean he can't play shortstop and I think it's probably the best case scenario for them 
yeah, like publicly they're going to, you know, they know what they're doing with the narrative and, and with, you know, what they're saying and pumping them up. But I mean, I cover Alex and I don't really necessarily know him to be like a, he's not really going to blow smoke everywhere. That, like, that's just not who he is. I mean, he's pretty honest and straightforward with things. And if he's got something, he'll tell you. And if he doesn't, he, He's just not going to pump it up. Like, he's not going to, you know, because then how does that look if in the, you know, if the Braves don't even believe that and Von Grissom just completely flops and they knew he was going to flop, it just doesn't look good. So I honestly think, like, one, it's pretty cool that he did that thing with fans. Um, and that was a good little good Dansby story and insight there. Uh, but two, I actually do think they have faith in Von Grissom. And we talked about it on this podcast, Jay. Uh, eventually, when you're doing those long contract extensions, there's got to be some give in there and there's got to be one guy or two guys where you start going young and you pay, you know, you pay the league minimum and you're paying pre-arbitration guys, you know, salaries um, to keep costs, you know, lower to offset a lot of those extensions and a lot of bigger contracts. Vaughn Grissom is a perfect example of that with a guy who's got tremendous upside He's great with the bat. He's probably only going to get better there. He's a tremendous base runner in terms of his instincts. Uh, for a guy who's not straight line speed, probably doesn't have great speed, but he's a tremendous base runner, uh, long strides, and he'll probably grow into it defensively. He's certainly got the athletic tools. He's been working with Wash, um, and Wash is as good as it gets. So I think Vaughn Grissom at short has some legs here, and I'm, I'm not as low on it as other people are just because I do see the upside in it. All right, coming up, we'll look at uh, what's going to happen with the fifth spot in the rotation and the long line auditioning for left field. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. What's so great about being a Kroger Boost member? Free delivery on the Kroger products you love and more rewards, too, like double fuel points on everything you buy. Experience a new level of membership, starting as low as $59 a year with Boost by Kroger Plus. Learn more at Kroger.com today. Ocean breeze. Tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. All right, here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, we are proud that we pour more resources into sports coverage than any media outlet in Atlanta and, you know, it's important when you cover a team the right way to be at every practice, to be at the clubhouse every day, getting to know the people that are there, asking the right questions. And your support and your subscriptions is what makes that possible. Now, we do have a special offer here for listeners to the podcast. Uh, if you're considering subscribing to the AJC, right now you can get unlimited digital access to everything that we have to offer for the next six months for just 99 cents. So that's everything on AJC.com. That's all our newsletters, including the new Bradley's Buzz from Legendary AJC columnist Mark Bradley, our e-paper, and more for less than a buck for the next six months. So to join our community, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's really going on. And uh, what would your friends think of your AJC Christmas presents? Yeah, I mean, I the, the early returns are very positive. They liked the analysis on who might start in left field, the different options there, uh, and you know, they love hearing about the occasional news bit, whether it be Adam Duvall, you know, signing with Boston or copy getting reinstated after that lifetime ban. I mean, it, I, you know, I'm serving Braves fans all around the country. 
Yeah, so let's go ahead and uh, take a look at left field. We'll figure it out, you know, and it'll work and it'll be fine. Um, we have a lot of really good options, I think, right there. And, and um, you know, I think Eddie's probably looking forward to getting going and, and you know, starting out good again. And, and um, you know, because we've seen what, what he can do and what he can bring. And, um, but there's, you know, there's a, we got a long list. All right, let's reset that long list. Who is all available to uh, join Eddie Rosario on left field? Um, can I take a second to get a cup of water? Yeah, before yeah. I read? Go, go refresh. All right, so we've got Eddie Rosario. We've got Jordan Luplo. Those are the two guys who've you know been signed for guaranteed you know have guaranteed money. Like Luplo is the only free agent they signed for guaranteed money. They acquired Sam Hilliard at the beginning of the offseason. Um, it was actually the first trade, the first yes, trade of the offseason uh, for anybody, um, which is interesting. Uh, and then they just signed Kevin Pillar to a minor league deal. Uh, and Kevin Pillar will, he's going to make $3 million, I heard, um, if he's in the majors. So it'll be, a, you know, obviously a portion of that $3 million, whatever um, prorated version is. But then they've got Eli White, who they acquired in their 60th trade with the Rangers speed demon this winter. So yeah, you've got those four, the four that I think, you know, you need to watch out for the Braves have shown they'll play Marcelo Zuna there when they have to, they yes, did they last will. year, but with his defensive limitations, if he's going to do, you know, if he's going to hit at all, he's the DH. Like he should be pretty much your primary DH along with Darno or Murphy, um, whatever rotation you want. Uh, but I, I just think with his defensive limitations, he's got to be there. Now let's break this thing down a little bit. Eddie Rosario, never track record-wise, I mean, has never had a season like he did last year at the plate. So that suggests he he could probably be due for a bounce-back year. But that's, you know, if he's past the eye issues. Um, so that's a possibility. Jordan Luplo is a guy I think is pretty interesting here. And I'll tell you why. So... He hasn't completely unlocked it all the time with his bat, but everybody looks at 2019 in Cleveland, and he was terrific there at the plate. This is a guy who can play elite defense, and he's got speed, and he's got terrific arm strength. So here's my thought with Jordan Luplo. I do wonder, if Eddie Rosario, you know, isn't back to himself, isn't hitting well, would the Braves go with, does Luplo have an every opportunity to be the everyday guy and what I mean by that is would the Braves say hey we've got such a good lineup from an offensive perspective that we don't need our number nine hitting left fielder to give us you know a 750 780 OPS like we're fine with the elite defense we're fine with the great base running we're fine with the arm whatever that might be I think there's a path for Jordan Luplo to be the everyday guy um I really do if, if Eddie Rosario doesn't, you know, doesn't perform up to snuff. The interesting thing about kind of these options, though, is that you've got a guy like Kevin Pillar who had a great year for the Mets a couple years ago. Eli White, yes, yeah, speed demon. So you've really got guys who can provide some depth. They can provide some speed um, and their defensive replacements. I think it really comes down to, personally, is Eddie Rosario going to hit? Um, and if not, I think Jordan Luplo really has an opportunity to take this thing. Any surprise that Adam Duvall didn't come back? Not a ton once they signed Jordan Luplo. And you, then you looked at what Adam Duvall got. Uh, so we got $7 million for a year. 
the performance bonuses on that contract have um, give him the ability to make $10 million this year. So if you look at Boston, they just lost Trevor Story for an extended period of time. Um, that means Kike Hernandez is going to move, probably move to short. He'd be the full-time shortstop. That means Adam Duvall, Jay, after sitting out most of the winter waiting for this deal, he's that everyday center fielder in Boston probably come opening day. And so if we look at the performance bonuses, I would say that he's pretty likely to make close to $10 million. And if he made the $10 million, that would have been more than he made last year when he was coming off of a year and leading the NL in RBIs and having 30-plus bombs and, and all the great he did for the Braves. So when you look at that, that's a pretty steep price, you know, for the Braves to, to pay for a guy who maybe would not have played every day. Uh, and for Adam Duvall, if you're not going to have a chance to play every day, are you going to go somewhere? I know he liked it in Atlanta. Um, so I wasn't overly surprised after they signed Luplo. That, to me, was like they were giving themselves options. Um, and, yeah, I'm not surprised because there's a chance that Adam Duvall makes $10 million. I think that $10 million, if you're, you know, when the Braves looked at it, uh, especially now being over the luxury tax when they signed Luplo, it's like you, you might be able to spend that elsewhere. Um, but it doesn't seem like there was a, a huge push to bring him back. And I just think like, you know, it makes sense on both sides why that is. All right. Now to the rotation. And Saturday was kind of the first time we've gotten to hear from, from Mike Sorokin in an extended period at Truist Park in a while. I feel great. Um, yeah, I, I mean, pretty well where I would be any, any normal year. Um, you know, different things to work on uh, here coming into this season. And, you know, actually really thankful I got to get some things out last year because, you know, there's a lot of things about competition and, and whatnot that you don't necessarily forget, but in the heat of the moment, it doesn't quite come to you the same. I know there are very few expectations for Mike Soroka since he's thrown 13 innings in the majors since 2019, but it seems like he has expectations. Yeah, I what I took away from that is he's in really good spirits. He feels like an athlete again, which is kind of a term he uses to say, you know, he's ready to go compete, ready to do everything that it takes um, on a baseball field. Man, I you root for a guy like that, and you don't bet against a guy like Mike Soroka with everything that everybody says about him. It really, really seems like he's not just – He's not just, well, you know, if I make it back, great. We'll see what happens. I'm just thankful to be here. Like, he wants to be a major contributor for this team now and in the future, uh, which is good news for the Braves, which is good news for fans. We'll see how it plays out. But, I mean, Jay, you were there. I, I just got the sense, like you might have, that he wasn't just happy to be there. There was, there was still a lot left he feels like he wants to achieve in his career, and he feels like he can get back to where he was. That that kind of felt like the same. You know, Mike Soroka's pretty even kill kind of guy, but that that felt like the same sort of quiet confidence we heard from him at uh, Fan Fest 2020 when he was coming off his terrific 2019 season. Yeah, why not? Right? I mean, you think? I guess I don't know. You know, any it's it's tough to track like examples or comparisons of guys who have torn their Achilles once, let alone twice, yeah. and have they come back? And were they major pitchers before that? Because you can't really. And this will kind of go back to the answer of Alex on Vaughn. You can't, it's tough to, you can't really count on a guy when you know his makeup. And the Braves believe in, I think they believe in Soroka's makeup and, and just really the qualities that make him so even killed, the qualities that make him such a good competitor, the qualities that put him, you know, one of the best 
starting pitchers in 2019. It's going to be interesting for the reason that you can see a path for all guys like Soroka, Ian Anderson, Bryce Elder. I could see a path for any three of those guys to be the number five starter, and I could see reasons why each will and reasons why each won't. Um, In the Mike Soroka comeback story, though, if that happens, uh, that's going to be movie material. As for Ian Anderson. I, I think everything he went through, it was just another part of the, you know, he's still a young player. And, and he's been through a lot in a short period of time in his young career. You know, he's pitched game sevens and, um, <clears throat> and I, it, it happens, you know, that and things like that are, are, you know, part of the peeling off layers and becoming a, a solid major leaguer. So I think everything he went through, he'll use to his, you know, to his advantage and, and um, you know, the, the work ethic and everything I know is probably going to grow. He's learned a lot and and, because we know what he's capable of. So I'm, I'm excited to get him to spring training. You know, he's healthy and, and um, I think he'll be on a mission. What he was capable of was uh, on track to be the Braves best postseason pitcher since John Smoltz. Uh, But can you explain what went wrong last year? I mean, probably a cacophony of things in terms of there were some things he told us about, you know, being, mechanical like mechanical things I remember after one and then there were other things like I remember after one start at Wrigley he said he had to throw his curveball a lot more because teams were you know keying in on the other stuff and he said he had to land that a lot more had to make it more he would be throwing more of them in the future I just think there are multiple things it's tough to I don't really like to psychoanalyze people but I do wonder I'm always curious about a guy like Ian Anderson who has had so much success and has taken so you know worked so hard to get to where he is and the first time you fail or the first time you really, really struggle or it really kind of kicks you in the face, I bet that probably is difficult to deal with because you're trying to figure out what went wrong. You're trying to figure out how to get back and you're trying to probably deal with the mental aspect of it. Um, and that's just me speculating on all that, uh, looking at him as a human being. Like, I, I think that'd be pretty difficult. So I think it was, a you know, the things probably multiply, multiplied and the snowball effect might have set in where eventually he just like didn't have it and couldn't find it, was trying, was trying, was trying, kept getting hit around a little bit, just wasn't giving the Braves much, and he gets optioned. Um, so we'll see. Like I don't think by any means you've seen the last of Ian Anderson. Uh, and I'll say this. I was talking to somebody who knows him pretty well uh, months ago for a story I was doing compl- you know, on the Braves at the time. Uh, and they said, no, it's just, you know, the first time he's ever failed, but like, he's going to be back better than ever. And that person seemed pretty sure of it. So I think you still have that first round talent. Um, look how long it took Kyle Wright. This was the first time Ian's ever failed, even, you know, experienced something like he did last year. I think he'll be fine. And he'll just add to that rotation depth uh, as will the other two. And it may be one of the most fascinating competitions for the fifth spot in baseball this year. He's definitely my best friend on the team. We've been together for a long time. And, um, you know, it's ironic that we never played together until we were in AAA last year. Um, so I, I think uh, we're both, I think, fairly mature in understanding that, you know, we're both going to do what we need to do. And, and that stays baseball, right? Um, we both wish the best for each other. I think that's that's important. And. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not exactly so simple as, you know, one spot, two guys fighting, right? Like it's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff involved and, um, you know, we're, we're excited to, to, for the competition. 
we both said that's when the best comes out, and it's going to be a fun camp. Two good buddies, still 24 and 25 years old. But as a 23-year-old, Bryce Elder going to have something to say, too. Yeah, yeah, and that's, you know, Mike Soroka talking about his relationship with Ian Anderson, and uh, it's going to be interesting there. But let's not forget about the kid from Texas, uh, from the state of Texas and the University of Texas. Bryce Elder, here's his path. Here's what I see with him is when you're building a rotation, man, with the four guys you have ahead of that fifth spot, I'm looking at that saying maybe you don't even need a ton of the upside or whatever it might be or the most talented guy. Like You also want the guy who's not going to give you a dud every five days, who's not going to blow up in your face. Bryce Elder down the stretch, my friend, uh, he was terrific. Now, I know he pitched against the Marlins and the Nationals primarily, but he was tremendous down the stretch. When they called on him, he gave them, the, you know, put them in position to win three or four games. Uh, I think it was, you know, four, you know, put him in position to win all of his starts. Um, he was tremendous. Got that shut out. Yeah, that was terrific. Here's the thing with Bryce Elder, and I know it's a cliche. He can just pitch. He can flat out pitch. He knows what he's doing. He attacks guys. One thing I found really interesting when I talked to him in the clubhouse um, before his final start, uh, or it might have been a few starts in, I asked him about AAA, and he said it really, the mindset for him really clicked of, well, I'm just going to throw it over and have him hit my stuff. Like, I've got to attack. I've got to attack. I've got to pitch my game. I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to be scared. And he said that, there's a point he made it seem like there's a point when that clicks because every pitcher says that and every pitcher says they want to do that but for him he felt in his time in triple a last year before the braves called him back up again to make spot starts that that really clicked that he was like i'm just going to pitch my game i have to stick to my strengths like yeah it's like i have to game plan and i have to like you know worry that these are great hitters but like i can't think about you know a juan soto up there or a jt Realmuto or a bryce harper like i've got to just like attack and let it fly and you saw that. And that's the one thing that I like about Bryce Elder in this competition. The main thing is that I think he could end up being the guy that just doesn't like, does he have the natural talent of a Mike Soroka and Ian Anderson? Maybe not. Like, does he have the stuff that they do? Maybe not. I don't know. Like those guys probably give you the higher upside because Mike Soroka, well, we don't know what he is now, but he was, you know, looked like a future ace. Ian Anderson looked like a top, you know, number two, number three starter um, on a good team. But Bryce Elder, you can almost feel confident that he's not just going to blow up every fifth day. He can really pitch. He knows what he's doing. And I think that's one of his greatest strengths is just he pitches and he attacks. As far as the other Braves who were not 100% at the end of the year, Ozzie Albies, Ron Lacuna, both said they're ready to go. And apparently Ronnie's been working out. I just was, I say, walking right behind Ronald. And it's like he just keeps growing. I mean, his back, I mean, he just he's a big man now. I mean, he's not a young kid anymore. He's a big man. And uh, apparently uh, he's not going to be playing in the WBC, but he is still going to be playing some ball before spring training starts. Yeah, so he's going to play in the Winter League Finals in the Venezuelan Winter League. Um, he's got a DH. He'll DH. Um, and the distinction here, a lot of people are wondering, well, why can't he play in the WBC, but he's playing winter ball. What's wrong? It's not entirely up to the team about the WBC, but obviously, you know, Ronald – or I've heard Ronald wants to play. 
but the Braves' medical staff just didn't think it was a great idea, which the logic is probably sound there, right? Tears his ACL in 2021, isn't really the same guy in 2022. Um, The distinction between the WBC and the Winter League is this. The WBC is probably just a much larger time commitment and workload for him, and it occurs in spring training. So I think it's beneficial for the Braves that they get a look at him in spring training daily. They can monitor his gradual buildup, um, and they see him every day in camp. Uh, and that's going to, you know, they want the best for him. That's going to keep him safe, um, and that's going to make them feel comfortable about where he's at. So the Venezuelan, you know, the Winter League Finals are before spring training. They'll be, you know, this week. Um, so he's back in Venezuela for that as we speak. But that's kind of the distinction is that it's, you know, the Braves can have him in camp every day if he's not playing for Team Venezuela at the World Baseball Classic. Bummer for baseball fans, but I think you can see the logic here. So we spent, you know, a lot of time talking about his injury last year and the rehab, and kind of he didn't look like himself. Uh, so this kind of seems like probably the best thing for all parties, even if it, it kind of is a bummer. All right, now time for the Ask Justin segment where we answer Braves fans' questions on Twitter at Justin C. Toscano. All right, first up, going back to the pitching situation from John Seeley. Any chance we see Ian Anderson in a long relief role this year? Ooh, that's interesting. I don't think so, though, because I think you've got Jesse Chavez. I think you've got Jackson Stevens to eat innings. I mean, I guess we could see him if they wanted to use an opener. We could see Ian Anderson as the bulk guy um, or, the ch- you know, take a chunk out of the game after the opener. Like, I, I could definitely see that, but... I don't know about a long relief role. I think he's his value is still as a starter because he hasn't, you know, you want to give this guy a chance to see it through. He's only struggled or failed, you know, once, um, and he's been so good before that. I think he's still rolling out as a starter. Scott Karasik asks, who would you say has the edge on the fifth starter spot, Soroka, Elder, or Anderson? I hate people who give non-answers, so I'm really sorry for this. But it's, uh. it's, literally, it's, it's literally impossible to tell because Mike Soroka has – insane talent but we don't know what he's going to be Ian Anderson is really talented but has he figured out what went wrong last year Bryce Elder do they think he has the upside to be in that spot can he kind of bottle up what went well over the last couple months last year I could see like I was saying earlier in this podcast I could see a path for either of them and it's really tough to tell Um, but I do think I don't think people are talking about Ian enough. Like the Soroka comeback story is awesome and like heartwarming and like you root for a guy like that. Um, but I do think people are sleeping on Ian a little bit and sleeping on Bryce Elder a little bit. Here's the thing though. Mike Soroka said it's not as simple as two guys, one spot um, or three guys, one spot. The Braves are going to need a lot of these guys and rotation depth is a good thing. Last year they used 11 starters. If you don't count Jesse Chavez as an opener, uh, so there's going to be opportunities. From Matt Logan, generally curious about Brendan Shoemake. I'd love to see him get a chance this year. Is he healthy? If so, any chance he gets called up as a bench bat defensive replacement? Yeah, I mean, I think he would be healthy by now, um, but haven't asked specifically, to be honest. I don't know 100%. Um, he is a defensive replacement slash bench bat type who should be close to the majors. Um, Vaughn Grissom obviously offers way more upside as a starting shortstop and as, you know, a prospect, but I think shoe makes an interesting, you know, idea of like a second base, you know, if Ozzy Albies God, you know, God forbid, but like were to get hurt or like a Vaughn Grissom or something like shoe is a good, 
he's a good depth option. Um, he probably, you know, probably a solid depth option. Don't know, you know, probably not going to hit a ton for you, but plays good defense. Um, and you know, so I, I think he, he could be in play for sure. Like he's definitely ETA wise. Um, he's definitely should be ready to be that. From Nate Williamson, is the Braves bullpen the best in baseball? Okay, so I'm looking at, let's see. The Phillies made improvements to their bullpen. Let's see. The, the Astros have a good bullpen. I think the Braves, when I look at it, it's got to be top three. Arguably the best. Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. Because let's go through it. You've got Rysel Iglesias, a proven closer with great stuff. You've got Joe Jimenez, uh, who had a great year last year. A.J. Minter had a tremendous year. A.J. Minter doesn't get talked about enough uh, because relievers don't get talked about enough. Colin McHugh had the best year that nobody's talking or writing about. Um, I, I do think the Braves, I mean, if all goes well, they should have a top three bullpen baseball. And last question from Graham Radford with a loaded NL East. How many wins does it take for the Braves to claim a sixth division title? This is a tough one because I'm trying to factor in the balanced schedule. So teams are only going to play 13 against division opponents this year. So I'm trying to factor if that would have it. I mean, I think it's going to take – because of the balanced schedule and teams are going to – these NL East guys are going to be beating up on everybody else too and not just themselves, I think it's probably going to take 100, 102 wins probably. Like I don't think it's going to be one where you can win it in 90 or 93. Like I think it's going to take 101 or 102 again. All right, so that's, uh, that's all we got here for uh, our return for uh, 2023, and now we uh, start counting down the days till we go to Florida. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bring your sunscreen because it's always – it's never nice to have that – post workday spring training shower where the water hits your back and you just know you screwed up <laughs> nothing beats experience but until then uh you know we're back anytime any major news breaks we got a lot of other things to dig through from what we picked up uh from uh, braves fest so until then please uh, rate review follow and share the show to help us grow tell your friends tell your enemies and we'll see you the next time on the braves report from the atlanta journal constitution When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on.